0: If you would, turn with me to the book of Proverbs. We'll be in chapter 5. So our series this summer is going through the book of Proverbs and looking at wisdom. Quick advertisement for our women's Bible study that meets tomorrow night at our home. A Bible teacher, Paige Brown, who will, uh, whose talk y'all will listen to tomorrow night, she says that that wisdom is a beautiful life. I wouldn't Isn't that what we want? Uh, A beautiful life, that wisdom gives us a beautiful life. And what we've seen so far in this series is that we gain wisdom first uh, from our relationship with the Lord, that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So our house of wisdom is built on our relationship with the Lord, Uh, that, that wisdom is not mechanical, it's not automatic, it's relational, and what we're going to do from, from here on out for the rest of this series is we're going to look at how the Lord's wisdom applies to different areas of our lives. And today we're going to look at uh, a hot topic um, that probably would make uh, most of us uncomfortable. And it's going to be how, uh, but, it, but it's a very close topic to our identity, and it's that topic of our sexuality. How does wisdom, how does God's wisdom apply to our sexuality? You might say, Kevin, I mean, is that really appropriate that we talk about this in church or children present? And I would say yes for two reasons. Uh, One, uh, the Bible is not afraid uh, to talk about our sexuality. And so while I won't be graphic, um, I will talk about what the Bible says but then two, the other reason we, I would say yes to that question is uh, the culture around us is not afraid to share its view uh, of sexuality. And rather than withdrawing and being afraid, um, we need to be able to speak into that topic, into that area of conversation. And I mentioned last week that we're often known, if you're a Christian, uh, if you're a religious person, we're often known as the people who always say no. Uh, And one of the points that I made last week when we talked about the, the rivals between wisdom and folly, listening to those two voices, is that wisdom means not only saying no where we need to, but also offering and saying a better yes. And that's exactly what God's word says in this topic, in this area of sexuality. So, Let's listen to what God's word has to say about our sexuality and why it offers a better yes to the brokenness and the confusion that permeates our TVs, our department stores, our phones, and even our own hearts. Let's give our attention to God's word, Proverbs chapter 5, verses 1 through 23. If you don't have a Bible, feel free to grab one of the ones off the chair there. It should be on page 530. My son, be attentive to my wisdom, incline your ear to my understanding that you may keep discretion and your lips may guard knowledge for the for the lips of a forbidden woman drip honey and her speech is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps follow the path to Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways wander, and she does not know it. And now, O sons, listen to me, and do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her, and do not go near the door of her house, lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. And at the end of your life, you groan when your flesh and body are consumed. And you say, how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I didn't listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my instructors. I am at the brink of utter ruin in the assembled congregation. Drink water from your own cistern. Flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets. Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. May your fountain be blessed. And may you rejoice in the wife of your youth, a lovely deer, a graceful doe. May her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. Why should you be intoxicated, my son, with a forbidden woman? And embrace the bosom of an adulteress. For a man's ways are before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. The iniquities of the wicked ensnare him. And he's held fast in the cords of his sin. He dies for lack of discipline. And because of his great folly he is led astray. The grass withers and the flowers fade. But the word of our God endures forever. Like him it's good and it gives life. And it's holy. So let's pray and ask for his help in applying it. Father, it's very easy to read these words and become moralist and think that if we just say and do the right things, all will be well. I pray that you would help us to apply the truths of this wisdom to our own hearts, Lord, that you would expose our own sinfulness, that we would see our own need, and that we would run to you for your grace, Lord, uh, would you help us to apply these things to our, our lives, uh, wherever, wherever we are, and we pray it in Jesus' name, amen. Where is a train most free ...to be a train on the tracks. In fact, if you were to try to liberate a train from the tracks... ...the result would be disaster. Where can a car drive the fastest? Where where is it the most free to be a car? On a paved road. And usually when a car leaves the road, especially at high speed... Disaster. I'm going to get personal now. How are you able uh, to be most free? Where where would you be the most free in living a long and healthy life? Well, listen. You don't even have to take my word for it. You don't have to take the Bible's word for it. Just Google blue zones. All right. If you've ever heard of the blue zones, these are the areas of the world where people live the longest. Uh, across cultures, uh, but they have a few things in common. They eat well. They eat good food, right? They're active. They move. Uh, they have purpose in life. They're usually religious, uh, and they have good relationships, right? So if you want to live a good, free, long life, there's the there's the rails you've got to run on, right? If you were going to build a fire, if you wanted to enjoy the warmth of a crackling fire in your home, where, where should you put it? In the fireplace, right? If, if you were going to set a fire in your home, you wouldn't want to just put it right in the middle of the floor. Uh, that would bring disaster. It would bring ruin. You see where I'm going with this? Wisdom is all about freedom within form. Joy is best, we we best pursue joy within discipline, discipline that leads to joy. Now, when we hear that word freedom, we typically think in the opposite direction, right? Um, We've got students here about to head off uh, for their first semester in college, or maybe you're in high school right now and you're thinking, I cannot wait to go to college. And we say, right, because I'm going to be free. I'll be free from mom and dad's rules. I'll finally be free. So when we think of freedom, we typically think in the opposite direction from boundaries and constraints. We think opposite of form, right? There can't be freedom as long as there is form. As long as there's something hemming us in, we can't have freedom. But God's wisdom actually says different. God says we will experience freedom. The most joy as we live within the boundaries that He has created. And this is true in in multiple areas of life. Uh, But we are most free when we live within the boundaries He's created. And there's a there's an important principle there that remember wisdom is living well in God's world. We have to acknowledge that God is the creator. That we are not God; He is the Creator, and He has designed us to operate a certain way. Now that doesn't that doesn't mean uh, that your life, uh, you know, if you're gonna when when I'm talking about this, it doesn't mean that your life has to be dull and boring and without excitement. And religious people, you know, sometimes we do an amazing job of making life look that way, about as exciting as you know chewing sandpaper. Um, That's not what God promises, right? Um, there's freedom within the form. Um, I like being outdoors. I like hiking. I like the mountains. Uh, and when I was in college, I thought one of the coolest things to do, one of the coolest accomplishments would be to, uh, to climb Mount Everest. I mean, can you think of anything more? Well, some of you might think of something you'd enjoy more, but to me that would, I mean, anything freer, or better than, than standing on the, the highest point on earth and, and looking out. But I want you to think about all of the form, all of the discipline that would be required to get there. Right? You would have to, you would have to discipline the way you spent your time. You'd have to spend lots of time training, summoning other smaller mountains before you tackled Mount Everest. And that would also mean that you would have to form the way you spent your money. You'd have to discipline yourself, right, because that requires buying nice gear, right? You don't want to go with Walmart brand stuff to Mount Everest, right? you got to get the good stuff. No offense to Walmart. Um, but travel, or even right there, freedom within form. I don't know about you. I can't fly Personally. Uh, so I would, you have to submit to the form of this metal tube that goes through the air called an airplane, right? There's freedom. You can go anywhere in the world, but you have to submit to the form of an airplane in order to do that. And then when you get to Mount Everest, right, our bodies, uh, by the way, aren't made to live uh, in, uh, without without oxygen, right? We kind of need it. And so and Mount Everest, I don't know if you know this, doesn't have a whole lot of that in the air. And so... In order to get to the top of Mount Everest, you actually have to do the trip in stages. You have to hike up to a base camp and stay there for uh, while your body gets acclimated. And then you start making trips up to the next camp. And then you got to come back down. And then you go back up, and then you come back down. And then you go back up, and you stay there for a little bit longer while your body gets acclimated. And then you can continue on up the mountain. But even as you go... You still have to have an oxygen mask. Even when your body's acclimated, there's not enough oxygen in the air at the top of Mount Everest to breathe, to live, to survive. And so, again, to enjoy that freedom, you have to submit to the form of an oxygen mask in order to do that. Wisdom is freedom within form. There is joy to be had, uh, but there is also uh, that that the greatest joy comes with a life of, of discipline and constraint. And that's what Proverbs is showing us here, and it's certainly true when it comes to our sexuality. So here's the main point for today. God creates our sexuality to be enjoyed within the relationship of marriage. So there's a couple of key words there. God creates means it comes from him. It's a gift of his uh, and to be enjoyed, not to be tolerated not to be put up with, but enjoyed, all right? Um, and we're going to look at this under two headings. I want you to remember those two voices we heard last week, the the voice of Lady Wisdom and the voice of Lady Folly. And both of them invited the simple to come in uh, and follow their path. But one of those paths leads to life, uh, and one of those paths leads to death. And so first we're going to look at the path that leads to, leads to death and that's the path of folly we're going to see that living outside of god's design is both foolish and deadly and then second we're going to see that why sexuality is a gift from god meant for our enjoyment i'll probably say this again at the end i'm not going to be able to say everything about this topic uh, because this passage doesn't say everything about this topic um, but I may not be able to address every single question or every single issue that every single person in the room has to, has, uh, to deal with. Uh, and were I to try to do that, I would end up saying mostly nothing. Um, so after the service today, um, if you would like to, uh, to talk further, I will be down front. Uh, we can, I'll, I'll, I won't go to the door. I'll stay down front here. Um, and we can dialogue more on this. Or if it's something that you would like to talk about at greater length and you would like to say, you know, Kevin, I'm dealing with this or I have questions about this. Can we meet up this week? Come down and see me and we'll schedule a time uh, to get together. All right. So, first of all, let's let's look and see what does it say about how living outside of God's design is uh, foolish and deadly. Uh, When it comes to the the voices of our culture, uh, when it comes to sex, we get we get two mixed messages from, uh, from the voices around us. Uh, on the one hand, what we hear from our culture is sex is no big deal. Sex is nothing. Right, Have it whenever you want, with whomever you want, however many times you want, doesn't matter. Right. So there's that voice. While at the same time, our culture also says sex is everything. The pinnacle, the high point, got to. Right. And so we have these two conflicting messages often spoken at the exact same time. We're confused. We don't know which way is up, which way is down. So what does wisdom say? Well, Look at verse 3. The wise father speaking to his son says that the lips of a forbidden woman, who is that? Um, you may see in your footnote there, another. she's also known as the strange woman. This doesn't literally mean someone who is odd, uh, but rather someone who doesn't belong to you. Um, later on in verse 20, she's called the adulteress or the foreign woman. Again, that doesn't mean somebody from another country. It means someone who is foreign to you, that you don't have a, a covenant relationship with her, um, probably belongs to another man. Um, so she is, a, she is an adulteress. Uh, and uh, if you're a lady this morning reading this, you may think, man, this sounds really unfair. Um, men can be just as predatory as women. So why are we being unfairly targeted in these verses? Uh, And the answer is no. Uh, The primary audience of these uh, these chapters would have been uh, young men uh, who were being trained for royalty. And so it makes sense then that the foil to them would be, in this case, an adulterous woman. But Men can be just as predatory. Men can be just as seductive, though it may look different. So, um, don't if you're a, if you're a woman this morning, don't think that the Bible is unfairly targeting you. The Bible is full of of examples of unscrupulous men. Uh, King David, among among them. So, uh, but what is uh, so? We're told to avoid the forbidden woman or the foreign woman. Um, She sounds a lot like Lady Folly, who we met last week. In fact, if you go and read Proverbs 7, it goes into a lot more detail about how she seduces people. He says, her lips drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. In other words, what she says sounds good. What she offers looks good. She offers pleasure. She offers delight. But like a good fisherman, she hides the hook in the bait. He says, her sweet honey turns to bitter wormwood. This root that if you ate it was, was very bitter. Her smoothness turns out to be a sharp sword. And so what she offers and what you actually get are two very different things. Her feet Go down to death, her path to the grave. She offers life, but she gives death. What does that mean? What does that look like? Let's be more specific. What is the, what's the real cost of engaging in sexual morality? Look at verses 7 through 14. Now, O sons, listen to me. Do not depart from the words of my mouth. Keep your way far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Lest you give your honor to others and your years to the merciless. Lest strangers take their fill of your strength and your labors go to the house of a foreigner. What's he talking about? He's talking about financial ruin and social ruin. Right? You give your honor away. You lose your wealth. Now in the context, this probably refers to this woman's husband. Finding out, coming after you, suing you, taking... Right, so what would belong to your your family and your lineage now is being taken and given to another. That doesn't happen as often. But in our case, what this would look like would be alimony, child support, broken homes, hurt children, jealousy, shame, guilt, lonely people, venereal disease, Right? Financial ruin, social ruin, isn't it interesting that even in our culture, which talks so much about freedom and being free to do whatever you want with whomever you want, how many politicians and leaders are still brought down in sex scandals? It's an interesting double standard that our culture has. We espouse freedom in this area, but when someone breaks the form, they still, they're still guilty. We have financial ruin, social ruin, guilt. At the end of your life, you groan uh, when your flesh and body are consumed. So there's physical ruin. There's grief. You say how I hated discipline and my heart despised reproof. I didn't listen to the voice of my teachers or incline my ear to my, incline my, ear to my instructors. I'm at the brink of utter ruin. So we we like to think that things done in secret will have no impact in public. Or maybe we think that what happens in the bedroom will stay in the bedroom and not be anyone else's business. But the truth of the matter is that whether we're talking about adultery, like here, or pornography, or homosexuality, or any other number of sexual deviant sins, when we go against the grain of how we are made, there are consequences. Right? Sin never stays secret, and when it comes out, it usually ends in death. Maybe not physical death, but maybe financial death, relational death, something that it always has its consequences. Now, does that mean that God is stuffy and prudish? Is, is God against pleasure? Is he against joy? Again, is, is God always in the business of saying no to everything we want? And again, the answer is no. Right here, we see that why sexuality is a gift from God, meant for our enjoyment. Listen to how it describes sex within marriage. Verse 15, drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Right? These are pictures of, of richness and satisfaction and joy. Right, This is a picture of a, of a husband and a wife being satisfied with each other. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone, not for strangers with you. Again, people who are foreign to the marriage. You know, if, you were, if you were to drive by my house and see my entire lawn... Uh, like brown and yellow and dying, uh, and I was out in the out in the middle of the street with a hose watering the pavement. You would say that guy's an idiot. Uh, like he is doing the very he, he is doing the opposite thing of what he should be doing, and that's the picture that the wise father gives his son, right? Satisfy your wife. Wife, satisfy your husband. Save your love for one another. That's where that's where the real joy is. And then in verse eighteen, he actually prays. Verse eighteen uh, is actually a prayer that the father prays for the sexual enjoyment in his son's marriage. Isn't that remarkable? May your fountain be blessed. May you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe. Be intoxicated. Right? These are not pictures of stoicism and, and boring like utilitarianism. Nothing like that. There's enjoyment here. That word for intoxicated uh, is used in other places, referring to being drunk on wine. Uh, the literal meaning of it is kind of like to stumble and to get lost. This father is praying that his son would get lost in his uh, wife's love. He's praying for their physical intimacy. Now, in, in our world, right, We in our modern minds, we separate those two things, right? Prayer belongs over here in the realm of the spiritual. And this is kind of like this is the realm of opinion. You know, this is where your, your truth can be your truth and my truth can be my truth, but what you believe, it kind of belongs over here in the realm of opinion. And then physical stuff, well, that's over here. These are all, the, these are, these are all facts, right? Um, and we separate the physical from the spiritual. And so we, like, we would put physical intimacy in this category, but we would detach it from any kind of spiritual anchor and say, no, 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 that belongs over here. But the Bible doesn't have that worldview. The Bible has an integrated worldview, right? We are body and soul together. We are made physical beings and spiritual beings. And so what we do with our bodies impacts our souls and vice versa. And isn't it interesting that when we divide the world up that way into the spiritual and the physical opinion and fact, we actually remove any authority from this over here. I think, in fact, the reason that there's so much confusion in this area and so much brokenness is because we have separated those two. We've removed God's voice from this area of our lives. And so we don't experience the joy and the pleasure that we're intended to because we don't hear God's voice in this area. But what Proverbs is telling us is that sexuality within the boundaries of marriage between a man and a woman is meant to create joy and life it is a good thing it is a good thing and so again we can't say everything about this topic of of sexuality um one sermon alone couldn't hold the weight and so it may be that some point in the future we do a, a sunday school class on sexuality But here's how I hope this speaks to uh, some different groups of people in here. If you're young, I want you to hear the beauty and promise of God's design. I want you to know what you're looking for. And I also want you to know what the counterfeits are. That there are voices out there offering you pleasure, but they will only deliver pain. And so I want you to hear what God offers, even though it may require some discipline and some waiting. um, It will require some sacrifice that in the long run, like any other area of life, it will deliver the greatest joy. It will deliver the most peace. If you're a parent or a grandparent or a mentor... I want you to be equipped to have good conversations with your children in this area. Again, the Bible, the, I, love, I love the fact that the Bible makes us blush and giggle, right? It's not afraid to talk about breasts, okay? And enjoying them. Because God designed us for that. And so I want us as parents to be able to speak to the children in our lives. Uh, or let's say you're discipling younger men. Maybe you don't have children of your own, but you're discipling younger men. I want you to I want you to be equipped and unafraid to have that conversation. To say, "Here's what God promises, and it really is beautiful." If you want to be married, uh, so if you're single and you haven't been married before, or you want to be married, I hope this gives you a, a glad goal to pursue, something to look forward to. If you're investigating Christianity, you wouldn't identify yourself as a Christian this morning. My hope is that this is maybe the beginning of a conversation uh, that you want to hear. Um, I want you to hear the truth and hope of what the Bible says, that there's life offered here if you're willing to listen and ask good questions. But finally, if you're struggling or failing in this area, and that, again... This is this is speaking of adultery, but we know that the Bible speaks broadly about sexual morality, so pornography, homosexuality, etc., right? All of them under this category. If you're struggling or failing in this area, welcome to the club. What hope is there for sexual strugglers? For sexually broken people? And first I would say this, we are all sexually broken. Because our sexuality is part of our identity, it was created good by God, but because of sin, it's fallen and broken. And so maybe you don't struggle with same-sex attraction or gender confusion, but you still struggle with temptation. Uh, You still struggle uh, in other areas, right? You may desire the right thing, but you desire it with the wrong intensity, Or you desire the right thing, but you desire it with the wrong person. Right? You may seek to use sex for your own benefit or as a method of control rather than to serve your spouse, which is how God designs it. Hear me clearly. Being married, and this is important both for single people and married people to hear, for teenagers as well as older folks, being married doesn't erase sexual sin. And heterosexuality is not the answer to homosexuality. And, church, we have to be careful when we talk about this because we can give that impression. That if people would just, you know, get married to somebody of the opposite sex, that would fix everything. But the truth of the matter is it doesn't. Heterosexuality is not the answer to homosexuality. Jesus is. The answer to sexual brokenness is not marriage at least not to another human being, the answer to sexual brokenness is being married to Jesus. And that's the goal that we were made for anyway, right? Sexual intimacy is just a preview of the, the oneness and communion that we will share with Jesus for eternity. I know that seems strange to think about it in those ways, but remember that marriage is temporary, that it is, it is a fleeting parable that points us forward to Jesus' relationship with the church. I don't know 100% what that's going to look like. But physical intimacy here is just that. Physical intimacy here. That long term, we will be intimate and united to Jesus. It doesn't mean sexually. But it does mean that there will be closeness. And there will be communion. Uh, Matt Chandler tells a story. He's a, a pastor in Dallas, Texas, and he tells a story of uh, when he was younger, he brought a, a friend of his, a, a woman who was a single mom, and she'd experienced a lot of um, sexual brokenness in her own life, and she uh, was a single mom as a result of her own sin and poor decisions, uh, but Matt brought her to, uh, to a, a Christian gathering and to a talk that this guy was giving, uh, and it turned out to be a talk on sexual purity um, and the the speaker began his talk by taking a rose and handing it to the somebody in the crowd uh, and telling them to just pass it around the room uh, and pass it around the room and, and get it back to him and While that rose was going around the room, he talked about purity and the importance of purity and how God favors that and, and Matt said that as the, the longer the guy talked uh, the, the more uncomfortable and, and kind of guilty or bad he felt for bringing his friend to this. He brought her to hear good news. And, and so far, this guy was just pummeling her, right? Uh, of course, he didn't know that. He probably wasn't intending to do that. But this this poor woman was just feeling pummeled by what he had to say. Uh, and then the rose made it on around, and the speaker took it back. And, of course, you can imagine it was broken and bruised, and some of the petals had fallen off. And he held it up to the room, and he said, See? Who would want this rose? And Matt says, and in his mind, he wanted to scream out, Jesus wants the rose. Friends, we hear the rose. We are bruised and broken by the fall. And Jesus gladly takes us in, gladly brings us to himself, and marries us. One of the most beautiful stories in the Bible comes in the book of Hosea. Hosea is a prophet of God, a righteous and religious man. And God tells him to marry a prostitute. And after he marries her, she leaves. Because she doesn't want to stay within the form of marriage. And you know what God tells Hosea to do? Go get her. Go get her and buy her back. And so this prophet has to walk into the town square where his wife is on the auction block. And he has to pay a pittance to get her back. Friends, that's the beauty of the gospel. Not only are we sexually broken, but we can also be sexually redeemed. Jesus wants and loves and receives and renews broken people like us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we're glad that you want us, that you love us and that you invite us and that you receive us even in our brokenness. Holy Spirit, would you help us not to just be carried to and fro by the voices of our culture that offer no hope, that speak words of honey, but like honey offer no nutritional value. Indeed, uh, the end is bitter. It's poison. Lord, your way can seem like death to us. To say no to our feelings. uh, To say wait to our desires. But this is the path of joy. This is the path of pleasure. It's the path to life. Father, I pray for our young people. I don't technically fall into that category anymore. Lord, I pray uh, that they would listen to your voice, that they would uh, choose to follow the path to life, um, and that they would spot the counterfeit offers in the world around them. God, I pray that for us as well. Regardless of our age, we can be so easily misled. So, Lord, would you help us to listen and point us in the right direction? Father, for our church, for people within our church, we pray. Um, those who are getting ready to go uh, into surgery, Lord, we pray for uh, Phyllis Kopher God, that you would um, guide the doctor's hands and bring healing to her back uh, and to the pain that she's feeling. Lord, we pray for Michelle Smith as she goes in for carpal tunnel surgery, that you would use this to uh, correct what's going wrong in her hand and, um, God, that she would be able to get back to work. Father, we pray also for Regina Tubbs uh, as she goes to see her cancer doctor this week, uh, that that appointment would go well and uh, that the cancer has not spread. Lord, for... uh, the Vincennes, uh, we continue to pray as uh, it seems that Neil's death is near. Lord, now looking forward, we pray for continued financial support for uh, Jennifer and for the family. Lord, we thank you for our brothers and sisters at First Pres and Dothan who have provided a place for them to live uh, for the coming year. Lord, we pray for wisdom uh, for her as she looks, um, she begins to think about what life after the death of her husband may look like as she navigates grief, but also all of those minor details and decisions uh, that come with just living. We'll we pray that uh, that you would be her, her guide and support and wisdom. Father, for our country, oh Lord, we pray, oh, Lord, so much confusion, uh, particularly in this area of sexuality, um, We live in a very divided uh, world where we've we've moved things like uh, sexuality away from uh, religion and what you have to say. God, I pray for your church uh, in America. I pray for us that we would be able to speak with clarity and truth and humility and encouragement and beauty. Lord, that that we would offer a better yes uh, rather than simply... Um, a damning no I pray that we would offer the better yes uh, That your word offers us And that would be a, a compelling picture God, and that means that uh, that The way we do sexuality Even within our own homes and marriages What it needs to reflect the truth of your word So would you help us in that regard Father For the world uh, We pray for the country of Iran And we pray, Lord, for those uh, uh ...who are a part of Islam. God, I pray that... Um, and, I, ...and I thank you... ...for the ways that you are bringing... ...many Muslims uh, to yourself... ...through dreams and visions. Lord, that there is a... ...there are more Muslims coming to Christ... ...now than there ever have been... Uh, ...in the previous centuries of the church. Lord, we praise you for that. We thank you for the dedicated... Uh, ...missionaries, uh, media specialists... etc., who are getting the word... ...into difficult places... Lord, for our brothers and sisters who have come out of Islam and yet still live in their communities where they have been ostracized or if they were to be fully public, uh, it would be very dangerous for them. Lord, we pray that you would help them to persevere, and that they would uh, walk with you and know your faithfulness and that their lives would be a testimony to their neighbors and family members. Lord, would you bring in a great harvest among the Muslim peoples of the world. Lord, we offer all of these things to you and we thank you that you hear us in the matchless name of our Savior Jesus. Amen.